Well, it's so good to, uh, to see you guys. I'm so excited to preach this message. I've actually wanted to preach this exact message for like a year. We're in the middle of a series called That'll Preach, where we take, um, you know, movies and different Hollywood screenplays and pull out the biblical truths from those uh, films. And the title of my message today is Kingdom Genetics. Kingdom Genetics. And we're going to watch some clips from... I may, I think Axel's seen it. I think me and Axel may be the only two people who have actually seen this movie. So we're going to take a quick poll. A uh, little bit of like a B-grade sci-fi movie from 1997 called Gattaca. Has anybody seen Gattaca? Okay, okay, yes. I literally thought there was going to be four hands. Ethan Hawke, Jude Law, Uma Thurman, great film, great film. Maybe one of my favorites. And actually, the entire message of Christianity. The entire Christian gospel is summed up in this sci-fi noir 1997 thriller called Gattaca. Now in the movie Gattaca, it's the story, it's set in the future, um, and it's the story of Vincent Freeman. And in the future, everybody is genetically engineered. All the children are genetically engineered. The parents get together with a geneticist, and they say, I want, you know, hazel eyes, brown hair, fair skin, uh, and, and all of the, every disease is eradicated from the genes. They're given every chance to succeed. The children are incredibly intelligent and, and gifted and skilled and strong and have no defective organs. But there's still a handful of kids that are born the old-fashioned way, just like me and you, just kind of leaving it up to chance, leaving it up to the gene pool. And Vincent has a goal of being an astronaut, um, of going to space, and Gattaca is the name of, like, the space program. It's kind of like NASA in the movie. Um, but he can't go because of he's not genetically engineered. He, he belongs to a lower social class. And so we're going to watch this first clip um, of just kind of Vincent narrating and, and talking about uh, his situation. So turn your eyes to the screen. Check out this clip from Gattaca. I was conceived in the Riviera, not the French Riviera, the Detroit variety. They used to say that a child conceived in love has a greater chance of happiness. They don't say that anymore. I'll never understand what possessed my mother to put her faith in God's hands rather than those of her local geneticist. Ten fingers, ten toes, that's all that used to matter. Not now. Now, only seconds old, the exact time and cause of my death was already known. Neurological condition, 60% probability. Manic depression, 42% probability. Attention deficit disorder, 89% probability. Heart disorder, 99% probability, early fatal potential, life expectancy, 30.2 years. 30 years. The name for the certificate? Anton? No, um, Vincent Anton. Yeah, that's a good name. I know I'll do something. You'll do something. From an early age, I came to think of myself as others thought of me, chronically ill. Every skinned knee and runny nose was treated as if it were life-threatening. I'm sorry, the insurance won't cover it. 
If he fell... But I was told that everything was... I really wish there was something I could do. Like most other parents of their day, they were determined that their next child would be brought into the world in what has become the natural way. Your extracted eggs, uh, Marie, have been fertilized with Antonio's sperm. After screening, we are left, as you see, with two healthy boys and two very healthy girls. Naturally, no critical predispositions to any of the major inheritable diseases. All that remains is to select the most compatible candidate. First, we, we may as well decide on gender. Have you given it any thought? Uh, we would want Vincent to have a brother, you know, um, to play with. Of course you would. Hello, Vincent. <laughs> well, you have specified hazel eyes, dark hair, and uh, fair skin. I have taken the liberty of eradicating any potentially prejudicial conditions, uh, premature baldness, myopia. Alcoholism and addictive susceptibility, uh, propensity for violence, obesity, etc. We didn't want, I mean, diseases, yes, but... Uh... Right, we were just wondering if, if it's good to just leave a few things to, to chance. You want to give your child the best possible start. Believe me, we have enough imperfection built in already. Your child doesn't need any additional burdens. And keep in mind, this child is still you. Simply the best of you. You could conceive naturally a thousand times and never get such a result. That's how my brother, Anton, came into the world. A son my father considered worthy of his name. Maybe it was a love of the planets. Maybe it was just my growing dislike for this one. But for as long as I can remember, I have dreamed of going into space. My goals didn't change a lot in the intervening years. Vincent. Much to my parents' dismay. Vincent. You have to be realistic. With a heart condition like yours. Mom, there's a chance there's nothing even wrong with my heart. One chance in a hundred. Well, I'll take it, all right? The trouble is they won't. Listen, for God's sake, you gotta understand something. The only way that you'll see the inside of a spaceship is if you were cleaning it. I belong to a new underclass, no longer determined by social status or the color of your skin. Welcome to Gattaca, gentlemen. No, we now have discrimination down to a science. All right, there's your cleaner material. Start from the front, clean all the way back. And I want to see my smiling face on that floor. I was never more certain of how far away I was from my goal than when I was standing right beside it.
For all my brave talk, I knew it was just that. No matter how much I trained or how much I studied, the best test score in the world wasn't going to matter unless I had the blood test to go with it. Come on. Who knew? Gattaca. The entire Christian message. I love that he says, didn't matter how hard I trained, didn't matter how hard I study. It doesn't matter. I can't get in unless I have the blood test to prove it. So Vincent is a man who dreams of going to space, the heavens, but he can't because of a heart condition. And just like Vincent, all of us have a heart condition that keeps us from the heavens. Point number one, we are Vincent. We are Vincent. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's interesting, if, if I were to go and poll 100 people, just random people, doesn't have to be Christians, maybe some just random sample of people, some atheists, some Muslim, whatever, and said, do you think you're going to go to heaven if you were to die today? Most people say something like, you know, yeah, and then you say, why? And they say, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty good person, you know, try to, try to make good choices and be kind to others. And it's like, when you say, I'm a good person, good compared to what? Good is a relative term, and what you're doing is you're thinking of the worst, most vile human being who's like a serial killer, tax-evading mess, and then you're saying, oh, yeah, I'm pretty good. Not so bad, right? But the problem is that's not the standard. The standard is not every other, it doesn't say that, all have sinned and fall short of what other people do. It says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's like, it's like if I, if your pastor committed murder, I would never, but if I did, got convicted, got caught, and I'm in jail for murdering somebody, okay? And then a new inmate comes in who's a serial killer, and he's killed 10 people. And I'm like, oh, that dude is really bad. That is a really bad dude right there. I mean, I've only killed one person, but he has killed 10 people, right? I'm still a murderer. I'm still a really bad person, even though comparatively I'm maybe a little bit better than this other guy. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it's, I love the story of the rich young ruler. The story of the rich young ruler is not about money. This rich young ruler comes to Jesus, says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus says, just keep the commandments. You know what they say, da, da, da. And then the rich young ruler says, all of these I have kept from my youth. And then Jesus says, oh, really? Well, if that's so, you have one thing left. Sell all you have and give it to the poor. And the Bible says he went away very sorrowful because he was a man of great wealth. The, the story is not about money. The story is about this rich young ruler thinking he can save himself because he's pretty good, because he's kept the commandments and other people haven't, that he's in good shape. But the problem, and this is why I, Jesus is just so crafty. He's like, oh, you really, you have. Well, why don't we start with commandment number one? Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. How about that one? He says, sell all you have. If money's not your God, it should be really easy to give it away. And he hangs his head and he walks away because he was a man of great wealth. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, you know, in our modern culture, like, sin, it's, it's almost like a, like a punchline. Like, it's, if you bring up sin to a secular person, it's like, it just sounds old and our... Sin is not just sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Sin is making anything more ultimate than God, period, anything. And it could be, you know, kind of the, the normal stuff you think about. I mean, if you make 
alcohol or drugs or sex or whatever it is, your God, where that's, that's what fulfills you, that's what gives you life, that's what keeps you going, then yes, that's sinful. But it can be good things that you can make ultimate things that then is bad. Your kids, kids are a gift from God. But if your kids are your entire world, all of your identity is wrapped up in, in, in the fact that you're a parent. And if, and if that was to go away when your kids graduate and go start their own life and all of a sudden you're nobody, you have no identity anymore, you have actually made your kids an ultimate thing, which the Bible defines as sinful. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us is like Vincent Freeman in Gattaca. We have a heart condition that keeps us from the heavens. And some people say like, you know, okay, that's, it's just not fair. You know, God's, that's, God's so mean. His standards are so high and so, so rude. I mean, nobody can. And what about people in Afri- Africa that have never heard the Ten Commandments? You know, what about, well, there's a, a, an old theologian named Francis Schaeffer that gives a brilliant analogy. He says, okay, sure, maybe you're right. Let's just say that when you get to heaven, or when we're all born, rather, we all are born with this little invisible tape recorder hanging around our neck. And every, this magic tape recorder turns on any time you make a judgment statement or a judgment thought against somebody else. And then when you're done making your little judgy thought or statement, it turns off about somebody else. Then you get to heaven, and God says, you know what? I'm not going to judge you on the Ten Commandments because maybe you didn't know them. I'm not going to judge you on, on any of the commandments in the Bible. I'm just going to judge you based on your own standards. And God pulls that little tape recorder out and hits play. We can't even live up to our own standards for how we say other people should live. Not, it's, it's never been more true to me than when I'm on the highway, when I'm driving, when I'm merging, when I'm entering the highway and I'm merging, I am just like, and there's someone right to my left, I'm like, I have nowhere else to go. You have to let me, what do you want me to do, drive off the road? And I get so angry, but when I'm this guy, I'm like, hey, I was here first, man. I don't know what to tell you. Sorry. Speed up, slow down. Not my problem. I'm going. I can't even live up to my own standards for merging onto the highway. We have all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us is Vincent Freeman. There's a condition in our heart that we can't overcome on our own. And I love that last line of that clip where he says he wants to get into Gattaca. He wants to be accepted. He wants to go to the heavens. And he says it doesn't matter. No matter how hard I train, no matter how hard I try, it won't matter unless I have the blood test to prove it. So in the movie, there's, um, there's kind of a black market that's developed for buying people's DNA. These people who are genetically engineered, who are superior, who have, you can, you can actually go and, and find somebody that is willing to sell their blood and their urine and these different things to you, their hair follicles. And so Vincent Freeman finds a man named Jerome Morrow, who he you know, convinces to let him buy his DNA so he can actually impersonate Jerome Morrow and have a chance at getting in to Gattaca. So I want to watch this next clip right now. Here we go, part two. You realize the commitment is binding. You have somebody in mind?
guy's practically gonna live forever. He's got an IQ off the register. Better than 2020 in both eyes. In the heart of an ox. He can run through a wall. Vincent, you could go anywhere with this guy's helix tucked under your arm. Listen, it's not too late to back out. This is the last day that you're gonna be you and I'm gonna be me. Well? the interview that was it what about the interview that was it I love it so point number two we all need a Jerome we all need a Jerome in order to gain access to Gattaca and have a chance of going to the heavens Vincent's blood wasn't enough so what does he do he essentially commits fraud he finds this other guy, Jerome, that's willing to sell his blood, his DNA, and he commits fraud to get in to Gattaca. That is the story of Christianity. It's cosmic fraud. Every single one of us, if you're in here and you're a Christian, you, have, you are committing massive fraud. I am a fraud. Pastor Katie is a fraud. Imagine... Um, I've, I think I've used this analogy before, but, but MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, is the most premium, premier uh, science, technology, engineering, and math college in the world, bar none. When it comes to STEM education, there is no more prestigious place to go to school than MIT. I applied to MIT. I'm an engineer, for those of you who don't know. I applied at MIT and got rejected. Literally, they looked at my academic record, my transcript, my SAT scores. You know, you bear your, yourself. Here's all that I am. Will you please love me? Will you please take me in? And they said, denied. No. So imagine if I found like a whiz kid, like some super genius, 1600 on his SAT, perfect 4.0 GPA, president of the chess club and the Glee Club and Student Council President and Volunteers for Habitat for Humanity and whatever. And what if that whiz kid were to come to me and say, hey, I know you want to go to MIT, so I'll tell you what. Here's my transcript. Here are my test scores. Here's my record. I want you to mark out my name and put your name at the top. That would be fraud. But that's the story of Christianity. That's the story. Jesus gives you his record, not his, not his academic record, his moral record. And he says, here, put your name at the top of this. And just like in Gattaca, when he goes to Gattaca and applies to get in, the guy drops the little P sample in there and it just says, valid. And he says, that was the interview, that's it. That is the gospel. In Gattaca, 1997 sci-fi noir thriller, who knew? 
in Gattaca. That is the story of Christianity. I want to read the rest of Romans 3. We just read Romans 3.23 that says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, so let's keep going. So verse 23, For, we have all, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 24, Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. 25, Whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Propitiation is just a really big word that means to satisfy. It means that all the standards, all of the, the requirements to get from where we are to where God is are satisfied in Jesus. Jesus is Jerome Morrow from Gattaca. When you watch the movie, he, he says a lot of F words and he drinks too much and he's in a wheelchair and he smokes, so it's, it's not an exact one-to-one, you know, but. Number one, we are all Vincent. We are all Vincent. We all have a heart condition that keeps us from the heavens. We all need a Jerome. Now, this next, in the movie, it kind of takes a little bit of a twist where there's, um, there's a murder that happens in Gattaca. Vincent didn't commit the murder, but um, as the detectives are coming in, and everything is done by genetics in, in, in Gattaca. One of his eyelashes has fallen off and has, you know, just hit the ground somewhere. So one of the detectives finds it, and all of a sudden, they're, not, they're, they're looking for Vincent, this, this invalid that is somehow his DNA has perpetrated the space. And so all of a sudden, Vincent, who is now posing as Jerome Morrow, is terrified that he's going to be figured out, that, he's, that they're going to catch him, that they're going to see through his, his fraud, that he, he's going to be caught and starts to freak out. He comes home to tell Jerome, and that's where we pick it up in this next clip. Last clip. Here we go. Watch it. Is this the approach path that we discussed? Absolutely, Director. Quite right. Quite right. Listen to what I'm saying to you. I want what I ordered. It's a completely different color. Now, I'm bored of talking to you. I'm bored. I'll call you back. That was the company that sell us your hair dye. They've sent me summer wheat instead of honey dawn. Any fool knows it's two shades lighter. She said, why don't you try a change? I don't want a change. We can't use a change. Now I'm probably going to have to pay for the five boxes they've sent me. We can't stay here. Idiots I have to deal with, you wouldn't believe. They think I killed the mission director. What makes them think that? They found my eyelash. Where? In the corridor. Oh, well, it could be worse. They could have found it in your eye. They've got my picture plastered up all over the place. I can't turn around without seeing my own face. 
They'll recognize me. They won't recognize you. They'll recognize me. I don't recognize you. They won't marry the eyelash to you. They won't believe that one of their elite could have suckered them all this time. No, 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 no. We change nothing. We do as we planned. You're Jerome Morrow, navigator first class. I'm not Jerome Morrow. I'm a murder suspect. But what are you doing? What are you doing? That's more than a day's work. Wait, we can't stay here. Stop that! Oh, fine, fine. You leave if you want. No, but you're not taking that stuff. That stuff is mine! I could have rented myself out to somebody with a spine. You can't quit on me now. I've put too much into this. What do you want me to do? Wheel in there and finish the job myself. Eugene, they are going to find me. You still don't understand, do you? When they look at you, they don't see you anymore. They only see me. Boom! You don't understand, do you? When they look at you, they don't see you. They see me. Point number three. We all have an accuser. We all have an accuser. When you get saved, when you're a born-again Christian, God does not see you as you. He sees a new you, a regenerated you, a perfect you. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. And I think one of the biggest limiters to Christians is believing that and living like that's true. It's so... Um, I remember a couple years ago, there was a, a young man that, that uh, I was trying to encourage to be a connect group leader. And I remember him saying, oh, I, I can't, I can't. I, I had a barbecue and I drank too much beer last weekend. And it's like, and listen, I'm not saying, you know, it's not a license to go out and, and shotgun beers at a barbecue by any stretch. But it's like, if you think that like mistakes disqualify you from leadership, then I'm long gone. Pastor Jurgen's long gone. There's no more church. Everyone's long gone. When God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus. <laughs> Romans 8, 1. I'm just taking you guys down the Romans road. Romans 3, here we are in Romans 8, come on. It says, there, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I want you to look right at me. There is no condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. But the devil will whisper in your ear and he'll say, if people only knew, they only knew how insecure you really are. If they only knew, if people only knew the kind of things you actually think about when you lay down at night or whatever, if they only knew whatever it was you watched the other day or if they only knew. And it's the great con that people come to church and they think they're the only people that, that struggle with whatever it is that bad, that everybody else has it perfectly together and you are just this, you have pulled the wool over everybody's eyes and you are... And the, the irony is I guarantee you that there is whatever any of you are struggling with, I guarantee you that there is somebody else in this room that struggles with it to the same degree that you do, period. 
And that's why I love Awaken Church. We're a church that is fresh, real, and powerful. We are all on a journey. And the devil will come to you and whisper in your ear that you know, you know how. And I remember when, when, uh, you know, Katie and I have been the pastors here for about 18 months. And if, if you're newer than 18 months, then we're all you know. But before us, there was somebody else. There was a couple named Drew and Emma Davies, and they moved to Seattle to go plant Hope Village Church, which is doing amazing, by the way. They're crushing the game, which is very exciting. And I remember when we found out that they were going to leave. And we, you know, I, we had no no plans of being pastors. We loved serving them and just being part of the team. And, uh, and I remember when, when we got asked, you know, would you, the very first thing, I, I wish I could tell you it was different. I wish I could lie to you, but the truth, it wasn't like, yes, I can't wait. I am so ready for this. I've been preparing for this moment my entire life. It wasn't like that. The minute that we got asked, the first thing that came was just a wave of inadequacy, of incapability, of shame, of like, I can't lead these. I'm still struggling with this. I'm still working my way through this. I'm just still da-da-da. That's the devil. It's a lie. It is a lie. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You cannot be disqualified. You cannot. You can't. There is no sin so great that the blood of Jesus cannot wash it away. None. And if you think you're bad, just go read your Bible. And I love the way that God set it up. It's like, you, you can't say God can't use me. I know that was a double negative. I'm sorry. You can't say that God can't use me. The, Moses strangled someone with his bare hands and then ran away. The Apostle Paul like found Christians and turned them over to be stoned. David, not that kind of stoned, a different stone where you... You throw rocks at people. It's very different. Very different. King David, the man that God said, this is a man after my own heart, was basking in the glory of his kingdom, found a woman that he wanted that was married to somebody else, took her for, to, for his own, slept with her, and then had her husband murdered. And God says, this is a man after my own heart. Because it's not about what we do and don't do. It's about what Jesus has done. That's the story of Christianity. Now, on the other hand, I will just, you know, quick little aside here. That doesn't mean like, yes, God will forgive anything I ever do. Yes, this is amazing. License to, no. That's not what it means. And actually, I would argue that if you can think that way, if you can actually operate that way, that the actual love of God has not actually arrested your heart. Because when God has arrested your heart, the last thing you want to do is walk back into an old, the, the, that verse doesn't say there is therefore now um, no conviction for those who are in Christ Jesus. It says there's no condemnation. There's definitely, there's definitely some conviction and there should be some conviction. And I'm so thankful for those moments when the Holy Spirit's like, hey, you gotta, you gotta get this together. You need, you need some work in this area. You need to, and that's not, there's a fine line between letting that condemn you and letting shame dump upon you where you feel unworthy and you feel disqualified. There's a difference between that and conviction, which is just the Holy Spirit of God saying, I've got more for you. I've got a destiny that you need to step into. And in order for you to be able to bear that weight and carry that, we need to get this fixed up. Point number three, we have an accuser, but point number four, there's no clip for this one. The sky is the limit as I land this plane. 
So in the movie, in Gattaca, um, Vincent actually goes to space. Like, he, he does it. He fulfills his goal. He goes to the heavens. And he does it riding on the back of Jerome Morrow's DNA. So he has access to his dream because of somebody else's DNA. And in the same way, you have a destiny at your fingertips that you just don't, and I, I can't even describe to you the wild ride that is my life. It, it, it works. As Ito said a few weeks ago, I, there's nothing, I'm just amazed at what God has done with just me saying yes. And I'm not special, I'm not smart. God probably likes you guys more than he likes me. I, I think I've, I've disappointed him several times, but you know what? Like, there is a destiny that awaits you if you will say yes. Following God is not a zero-sum game. A zero-sum game means that for every winner, there is a loser. So checkers is a zero-sum game. If we play checkers and you beat me, there is one winner, one loser. Minus one, plus one, equals zero. That's a zero-sum game. Very simple one. People think, for example, the economy is a zero-sum game, that if I'm going to get richer, it's only because somebody else gets poorer, which is ridiculous and not true. But that's, people think that following God is a zero-sum game, that if I'm going to say yes to God, and, and if I'm going to walk out God's plan for my life, then I have to say no to my plan for my life. And I have to walk away from all the things that I want to do. And there's dreams that I have in my heart and things that I'm gifted in and things that I would love to do, things that give me life. But I'm going to have to. And when I was like a new Christian, I was just like, I was nervous. I was like, I don't want to get too close to God because then he'll, maybe he'll think I'm, I'm somebody that he can actually use and he'll send me to Madagascar to go be a missionary. And I don't, I don't want to go to Madagascar. I, I, don't, it's, I, I just don't want to. And then I started to feel really guilty. I'm like, what's wrong with Madagascar? How come I don't love the people of Madagascar? I'm such a terrible person. I'm so wicked. It's just a big, it's a big spiral. But the reality is when Katie and I said yes to the kingdom, there have been dreams that have been fulfilled that we didn't even have the capacity to dream. We didn't even know that those were things to ask for. Pastoring you guys is the greatest joy of our life. We talk about you guys all the time, behind your back, all the time, at breakfast, dinner, bedtime, brushing our teeth, we're talking about you guys. And it is the greatest, and we didn't, I didn't even know that was a thing I could have asked God for. It wasn't like 10 years ago I was praying, make me the pat, no way, I was like, I was praying different things back then. But then there's, there's other dreams that I had, that I died to. Uh, when Katie and I met, my only goal in life was to be a songwriter, was to be a professional songwriter. We were going to move to Nashville, Tennessee, and I was going to roll the dice and give it a go in, the, in Music City and try to make it as a songwriter. And that dream died. I, that dream died. And I, I walked away from it, just couldn't make it happen, and really went as far the other way as you could possibly go. And I became a structural engineer. So that was, you know, just hard 180 right there. But years later, years and years, like a decade later, this dream has been resurrected. And so the, the Lionheart, thank you, you guys are sweet. The album uh, Lionheart that our church put out, and if you haven't heard it yet, you can text Lionheart to 94090 and 
listen to it on Spotify, on iTunes or whatever, I was able to be a big part of, of writing those songs. And it was a dream of mine that died years ago, years ago, before I had given myself to building the kingdom. And then when I gave myself to building the kingdom, a decade later, God resurrected that dream. So there's dreams that you dreamed that are dead, that will come back. There's dreams that you don't even know are on the table for you that you will find. I'm telling you, this life, this Christian life is a, anybody that, if, if you're a Christian and you ever say, I'm bored, you're not doing it right. I'm sorry, no offense, but you need to reevaluate. Then that's not the Christian life, at least not like a 100% sold out, bought in one. When you say yes to building in the kingdom, you better buckle up, baby, because it, Kansas is going bye-bye. Kansas is going bye-bye. And so I want to just uh, close the service. I'd love it if every head would bow uh, and every eye would close. And Maybe you're in here and you're still, you know, just Vincent. And you've got this big laundry list of all the things, all the reasons why you're disqualified and you can't, and you've never actually said yes to Jesus. Or maybe you did a long time ago. Maybe you used to walk with God and you've fallen away, slipped away, life got in the way, whatever. Or maybe you're in here this morning and you just feel far from God. I'm telling you, friend, he's calling you back to him today. And it's really simple. You don't have to go do a bunch of good deeds to outweigh your bad ones. You don't have to say a bunch of Our Fathers or, or Hail Marys or anything like that. The Bible says in Romans 10:9 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Believing is all it takes. So I want to just give you an opportunity just there in your seat to, to believe. And so I'm just going to walk you through a really, really simple prayer if that's you. And here in a second, I'm going to count to three. I'm just going to ask you to shoot your hand up in the air if that's you so I know who I'm praying with. So maybe you've never given your life to God. Maybe you did a long time ago, fall away, slipped away, whatever. Or maybe you're just in here today and you just feel far from him and he's calling you back to him today. I want you to shoot your hand up when I count to three. One, two, three. Who are those ones in here? See your hand right there in the back, little man. See that hand right there, amazing. Anybody else right there? I see that hand, that's so amazing. Awesome, awesome. Anybody else want to just give a second? Anybody else I'm waiting on that wants to leave here different than you came in? Amazing, amazing. Well, hey, let's all pray this prayer out loud. Let's say, Dear Heavenly Father. Come on, everybody in the building, loud and proud. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus on a rescue mission to save me. Today, I ask for forgiveness of all of my sins, and I know that they are all forgiven. Today, I declare you have a destiny for me, a future for me. I am a child of God. God is my Father. Heaven is my home. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on.